This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the owner and publisher of Retail Insider Media, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. Now, Craig, you were invited to delve into the Canadian retail landscape a bit and present some of the key points to a business group in mid-June. Now, I looked through the presentation and the key discussion points were perfect for sharing. So I wanted to do that during this podcast. But before we do, could you give a little bit of context to our listeners on the presentation itself and the group that you're sharing with? So I recently did a talk for the Sports Industry Credit Association um, about the Canadian retail industry. It was a little bit of a state of the union. And uh, so what I'm going to do is just go through a little bit of that here because I think that it's an interesting conversation. Some of this won't be news to people, but at the same time, it's a bit of a summary of where the consumer is uh, and where I think retail is going in the Canadian uh, uh, market at the moment, as well as even beyond. So uh, we can dive into this right now here. Well, to start with, could you give us an overview of how Canadian retail is doing yeah, it depends who you ask. I mean, uh, some retail's doing better than others. Uh, consumers uh, generally, I'll talk about the consumer generally, is spending less on non-necessities. This has been a, a situation for a little while here, as we've seen inflation going up. Uh, you know, the cost of housing, the cost of food, the cost of well, even luxury goods going up in price because some people uh, have been saving up or were in the past to buy expensive things and uh, are now uh, not doing that. I've spoken to people in expensive stores that have said this, so. Um, really, we're seeing a situation where, you know, even though retail sales, I think, climbed 2.4% in March, this was a statistic that we had, uh, in Canada's outperforming most developed markets, uh, wow. you know, I think Canadians are just stretched more than anything. This is according to a report by Collier's. And was there any strength that came out of that report? Because it, a lot of times, especially post-COVID, a lot of these retail reports are quite doom and gloom. What they found, though, at the same time is within Canada, retail sales have been the strongest in regions with a lower cost of living. And that really shouldn't be a shock to anyone. I mean, you look at, say, retail sales in a place like Texas, where the cost of living is lower. People there have a lot more money, uh, discretionary, I would say, income overall on average than most Canadians would. But in markets like Toronto and Vancouver here in Canada versus, say, you know, Regina, Saskatoon, Edmonton and Calgary, mm-hmm. um, the recovery has been faster in the places with the lower real estate prices, which are not Vancouver and Toronto for those, for those who know the country, obviously. And I knew that real estate prices were going to come and bite us in the ass for retail because even though there are rich people in these cities, there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of money. And I think that uh, with that uh, discretionary and, and even just any disposable income drying up, uh, that's going to impact retail sales on, on non-essentials. And I think that uh, there is going to be a little bit of a reckoning here in the retail industry just because money is being siphoned off to things like rent and mortgage payments mm-hmm. and shopping at Loblaws and getting gouged on on, on food prices, and um, which is happening, I think. So uh, you know, altogether, this is not a good time for a lot of Canadian consumers. And we get a lot of comments. I've said this before in our articles at Retail Insider um, from people that are saying they're desperate. I mean, I'm blown away. Some people are saying that they're, you know, cutting back on food and, and are trying intermittent fasting and they're not doing it for health. I mean, it is a healthy thing and I recommend it, but it's out of desperation because they don't want to have to pay for food all the time. And, and I don't think that's a good place for people to, to be in. No. And how do you think Canadians are dealing with these inflationary pressures? You mentioned like intermittent fasting, but how are people in Canada dealing with it? Uh, absolutely. Like you said, uh, consumers are definitely cutting back. Uh, there was an EY, a study by EY, I thought was really interesting, saying that um, almost the majority of consumers now are saying they're not brand loyal and that they're going to be looking for discounted pricing or looking for the better price, I should say. 
uh, that's a huge concern because if you think about a lot of brands out there, they they spend an absolute fortune uh, trying to get in front of the consumer, build loyalty, uh, uh, you know, get known and, and have people shop at their brands. So uh, because prices are going up and consumers don't have as much money to spend, that's going to have an impact on brands. Um, I think it was the same study said that 58% of consumers in Canada are uh, trying to save money or are economizing. They're cutting back, depending what word you want to use. Yeah. Um, 73% of consumers plan to repair or re- repair items over replacing them. That's good for st- sustainability. People aren't going to be buying new stuff, but uh, you know the consumer economy is based on uh, people spending more money on buying new things as opposed to repairing them. So this is going to have an impact, I think, on, on the economy as well, uh, especially, say, I don't know, fast fashion. But uh, And you mentioned food purchases. Uh, food purchases... Uh, at grocery stores are down. Uh, like I said, some people are intermittent fasting. At the same time, and it's people either with more money or they're just uh, you know, going out and spending it regardless uh, on experiences. Restaurant spending is up, uh, <laughs> which is almost counterintuitive. But uh, a lot of people are still going to restaurants to eat. And uh, you know, that, that's an interesting thing, I, I think. And also experiences. I mean, some people are still taking trips uh, to places if they can afford them or they're just maybe they can't afford it. Uh, or they're going somewhere else, but I do know that even with the pandemic and following that, people are reevaluating reevaluating their uh, priorities, or just realizing they want to have maybe have more fun or have experiences, mm. so they're buying less stuff. And how are people stretched? Oh, I talked about this a bit before. Certainly around the housing costs, whether or not a person owns a home and has a mortgage, or has just bought a new home and probably spent over a million dollars on it because this is Canada, uh, or is spending money on rent. Uh, I saw a report. What was it in Toronto? The average one bedroom apartment is over twenty five hundred dollars a month. Vancouver, I can't believe it. It's over twenty eight hundred, which is just mind blowing. Because in, the average income in Vancouver is not uh, that high compared to other parts of Canada, even though it's a very expensive place. But uh, uh, housing costs have certainly stretched consumers. Uh, taxes. I mean, Canadian consumers are taxed uh, uh, you know, higher than Americans. We're paying taxes left, right, and center, whether or not it's income taxes or on our alcohol or on our uh, food or restaurants. I mean, they, we're just tax, 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 tax. I mean, that all is going to add up. Um, stock market gains on, on, on wealth, if people have anything at all, has, has been variable over the course of the pandemic and into now. Um, you know, Salaries haven't met inflation. Some people may actually not be able to find jobs. That hasn't been as big of an issue here. We've got pretty decent employment in Canada, but it's not perfect. And uh, uh, you know, with the pandemic, some people are having to pay back some support that they got. Some businesses are having to pay back some support. Uh, there's been lost savings. And, and, and one thing as well, the grants that some businesses got at, uh, earlier uh, during the pandemic are coming due at uh, the end of this year, at the end of 2023. And uh, we're predicting uh, a catastrophic uh, uh, implosion of business, of smaller businesses in this country because of it. I've spoken to various people. I've signed a petition with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. It's a bit of an aside, but uh, that's probably another conversation we should be having here because uh, we're going to see a collapse in small businesses by the end of the year here. A lot of them can't afford to pay this back and it's going to be a tough time. Yeah. Well, and what about the difference in the Canadian retail for e-commerce shopping online or in-store or brick and mortar retail? Yeah, yeah. In the in the talk that I did, I talked a little bit about online versus in-store. I was saying that we're see, we saw e-commerce growth uh, you know, absolutely explode during the pandemic, partly out of necessity. I mean, uh, you know, literally we couldn't go into a lot of stores uh, yeah. during the lockdown. So, um, you know, we saw e-commerce growth, growth through the roof. It, it created some habits that I think people have kept, but it, it has kind of plateaued or it's not growing nearly as much as it was during the pandemic. I mean, it was exponential. Um, they say we moved it to the future uh, significantly, but 
we we still uh, saw when when lockdowns ended, people went back into the stores. So uh, that habit of shopping in a physical store is still there. I think it's mm. here to stay, at least for a lot of categories. Say trying on clothing or something, at least for the first time. And uh, um, people sometimes just want to see stuff. So I mean, at the same time, e-commerce is still growing. Amazon is still doing well um, in terms of getting sales in Canada and elsewhere. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's. You know, I think that uh, stores are here to stay. And also, I, I was saying in this lecture that stores, uh, physical stores, even if you've just got one, creates a sen sense of legitimacy for retailers. Say that's doing a lot of sales online because I know for myself, there was, I forget which it was. Well, actually, I don't want to say what the retailer was, but it was something I was shopping on. It was, you know, an online website. And I was like, oh, they have a store. Mm. But they're, they're real. They're, they're, they're a real retailer. They're, they're, you know, yeah, they've got one store, but they've got one. Like, they're not just, some random in ether the, world, the virtual world of yeah. online. So anyways, I, you know, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but, but that did get my attention for this retailer, <laughs> even though it was uh, just one store location for this national uh, retailer. And what about direct to consumer versus wholesale in Canada? Yeah. I did a little bit of a talk around direct to consumer versus wholesale. Um, you know, brands like Nike and Canada goose were certainly, uh, uh, you know, dropping their wholesale accounts and, and opening their own stores. I've reported on Nike opening lots of stores. Canada Goose is actually doubling down on its uh, retail store expansion plans while pulling back on uh, wholesale. Uh, Nike surpri surprised us a little bit recently because it actually reestablished some wholesale agreements uh, with DSW, the, the footwear retailer, as well as Macy's in the United States. So uh, we may see uh, wholesale coming back a little bit with Nike with certain select retailers, but I'm sure there's some agreements and rules and all kinds of other stuff. Um, with direct-to-consumer, I mean, brands like it uh, if they have their own store, uh, to put it simply, they can control the environment. It's it's kind of a brand ecosystem. Uh, there's different margins. You can sometimes make more money in retail if people are coming into your store. Uh, you've got staff. You, you've got, you can, you know, decorate it you want, the way that you want. Uh, we see the same thing with concessions, say in stores like Holt Renfrew or otherwise. These brands have stores within a store, but they're still mm -hmm. being run by that brand. So, um, I was in the Royal. I did a tour of Royal Mount a few weeks ago in Montreal, and uh, what I thought was really interesting is the team there was saying, "Well, we are targeting brands to have stores in our mall. We're not looking for the multi-brand retailers. It's not that there aren't any there, but the, really the focus was because of the increased sales growth of individual brands versus multi-brand retailers. They said, "Well, we see the future success of this center being with actual brands having stores in here and not having." Um, Oh, well, I mean, I don't want to throw any retailers under the bus, but or not even that, but you know, a Hudson Bay store or a Harry Rosen or something which it has different brands in it. Instead, they would actually have the brand, rather have the brands that are contained within those stores, but have their own stores in that mall. So, uh, that and the really smart people there at Royal Mount in terms of what they're doing, they've been around the world, they've thought this through, uh, and uh, I think that's to me that was that was a little bit profound to to hear that you know. It's all about the brands. It's not about uh, you know a retailer that's carrying a bunch of brands within it. So, yeah. but at the same time, some brands are not going to be able to stand out on their own in open stores. Uh, they're going to be in multi-brand retailers, and that's totally fine. And I don't want to see multi-brand retailers close at the same time. I've got some favorites. I think we all do, and uh, I still wish them success. But uh, retail's changing; it always does. And what about the like inventory and supply chain issues that we were seeing during the pandemic? Now that we're kind of more post-pandemic, if you were in a certain, I think certain categories of retail. I don't know from from bicycles and sporting goods, a few other areas. Uh, 
there was an increase in demand. Like, I don't know, you couldn't get a bike to ride around in during parts of the pandemic because everybody had bought them because they all wanted to ride around. Uh, now there's too many. So mountains of inventory, I think, was a headline I saw in the news. Um, now retailers are having to deal with that. So uh, what that means is, you know, sometimes things go on sale. Say a bike, you might get a better price now. So uh, you'll be able to actually find one on top of that. But uh, I, I think that with that too much supply and discounting is going to be a little bit of an issue here. Um, you know, the supply chain, well, you know, that's being attempted to be dealt with. I mean, Canada is a big country. It's uh, low density. It's got a large geography. We're contained to a few major cities for the most part. Um, but at the same time, the Port of Vancouver had a very low ranking in its e efficiency. And that's a concern because a lot of products for retailers come in through the Port of Vancouver if they're coming in from Asia and other parts of the world. So uh, hopefully that can be dealt with because uh, we need as many as much in the way of efficiencies as we can in the retail industry here in Canada, just given the cost of doing business. It's expensive to do business here. Like I said, it's a big country with a low population density. Uh, we've got incomes we've got versus expenses going up. Um, uh, getting stuff to consumers is critical and, and it's also critical to be able to do it in a costly fashion, whether or not it's a physical store or shopping or shipping online. So, uh, uh, you know, inventory is something which is having to be dealt with. And uh, I, I think that that's been quite a challenge as well. Well, it sounded like it was a great presentation. And thanks for going through the key points. When I was looking at the actual uh, presentation itself, it sounded amazing to share with our listeners. So again, thank you for going through it and talk to you next week. Thank you so much, Lee. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'll be doing some more talks out there. I do a little bit of public speaking and uh, about the retail industry and otherwise, even perhaps cities and urban planning. Reach out if you ever need anything. That, that, that could be, I'm having fun doing it. So uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Take care and bye for now. Bye.